Um, no, I didn't listen to it with audio or watch it with audio. You did no, listen to it with audio. I even recorded crunchy footsteps like separately. Nice. Like, there's sound. There's sound design in that Instagram post that nobody cares about. No, I just scrolled through with no audio on. Shane. I looked at the first few seconds of it. I was like, oh, I'll give that a like. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Ready to go? I'm ready. <clears throat> uh, good morning. I'm Shane. I'm a furniture conservator and restorer in, well, I'm in Brisbane now, but I'm usually in Sydney, Australia. Good morning. I'm Harry. I'm a furniture maker in Bristol, England. Sweet. Did I say good evening? Did I say good morning? I don't know. I don't listen to you. It's evening here, which is different to how we usually do it. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> as last time, though, because last time it was morning here. It's stupid AM. <laughs> yeah, I like this new. I like this new way of recording. It's great. I hate it. Yeah, I'm. I'm pitching again today. We actually have. We've got quite a few things potentially in the works. So I don't think we're done talking about teaching, but we are moving away from that for a little bit. Yeah, for now. We're gonna move towards kind of some design-based topics. So if you have any questions on that, please send them. Send them through. Yeah. And those are kind of going to be bigger things. In the meantime, though, this is a this is a a topic that I've had on my mind for a while since like I don't know six six almost five or six episodes ago, way back. But it's just a it's kind of a little one. I don't know if it deserves a whole thing. So this might be a shorter episode, but we have some bigger ones coming up. This is one that actually the last time I saw Andy when I was driving north uh, to the border of New South Wales, and then Andy came down and crossed the border, and then we met camping. And this one came into my mind, and I'm calling it tailgaters. And the general <laughs> idea, because I was being tailgated quite heavily on that drive, um, I was driving up to Nimbin and just having a really nice drive. I was in a really peaceful feeling, a, a mode. I was just kind of driving beautiful country roads through rural New South Wales. I was kind of hanging around the speed limit, sometimes a little above, sometimes a little bit below, just cruising down these roads, taking in the view, and just loving it. And mm. then from obviously out of nowhere behind me, a car pulls up and gets really close, like comes up quite quickly and then sits right behind my bumper. And that car didn't touch me, didn't honk at me, didn't <laughs> have any you know, actual influence on what was going on inside my car, but it immediately impacted how I was driving. I was no longer able to just kind of take in the view and enjoy myself. I was a little bit looking at how fast I was going, how close they were behind yeah. me, feeling stressed, feeling like I should be moving quicker, and just not enjoying the ride. But that car was not actually in any way impacting me. And the first time that happened, I actually just pulled off to the side of the road and let them pass and then started going again and tried to happily enjoy my drive. And then a little bit later, another one came up behind me. Eventually what I did was I just turned my rear view mirror down so I couldn't see who was behind me and went back to just enjoying my drive. <laughs> Sounds safe. Yeah, it's very good. It's definitely good. advisable. The reason I'm telling you this story about driving is because we talked, we talked in episode two with sharpening and we talked about, of course, with teaching the task, the importance of being fully engrossed. Um, it's almost like a mindfulness practice of being engrossed in the task that you're doing yeah. um, and how important that is. Not worrying about how, how quick you're getting to the end product, thinking about the final result, thinking about being at lunch, thinking about anything else, but being fully engrossed in that task is the best place to be, which is kind of where I was when I was driving and enjoying the view. I was making good time, but I was also just very pleasant and very fully engrossed in the activity of driving. 
but it's it's not that easy, I don't think. Like, I can theoretically, I know the concept and I know that I should be engrossed in the task, but there are things that don't necessarily directly impact me that make it really hard for me to enjoy that. And, and I call them tailgaters. And they're things like pressure from a, a deadline or, you know, doing work in a client's house and they're watching me or doing mm. work near another professional and they're watching me or just like someone's calling regularly about, you know, is that job done or it's getting to the end of the day or just my general anxiety about being behind on time or anything. There are all these kind of factors that lead me to a place where I find it very hard to put them aside and focus fully on the task that I'm doing. And I start to rush. And I personally almost always work poorly if I'm rushing like that. But it's so difficult because I, I don't know, I just find it so difficult. As soon as somebody's telling me there's, you know, that's got to be done or that's overdue or I've got three other tasks lined up that I like, I've got four jobs on and yeah. they all need to be done. The other one's sitting over there in the corner of the room and it's like it's tailgating me. I can <laughs> see it out of the corner of my eye and it's pressuring me to get this job done so I can move on to that. Even just like yeah. knowing my tools need to be looked after a bit more. Oh, I really need to get on all of these planes and plane blades and whatnot. And, and I don't, when am I going to fit time in to do that? All those things kind of make it really difficult for me to stay focused. So I think that you are particularly good at doing this. And so I wanted to, to talk to you about how you mm. find, because you have to be in the shop. You, you manage your own time. There's no one who's going to, to yeah. tell you that you need to get this done other than potentially your clients. But there's also no, like, if you're a bit slow, you're not going to get paid. You only get the money to continue yeah, exactly. your business if you actually complete the tasks. First of all, do you experience that sort of thing where outside factors can pull you out of the task or make it difficult to focus? Can you get back into it? And how are my questions yeah. for you? I think the metaphor is really good, to be honest, to start with the tailgate metaphor i i get that entirely i find myself just just watching my my rearview mirror mm-hmm. which is terrible i don't know if that's worse or, or better than like angling it away from anything useful but yeah i i i, I experienced that definitely in the workshop as well you're right it's it's different for me because like you said i manage my own time i work for myself and it it is difficult and i do struggle with it frequently it's actually probably the most difficult thing of running my business up until now is it's not only just remaining motivated to do the work but it's it's remaining focused and and like you said kind of being in that that mode that that zone of of complete almost relaxation and and focus because there's not those other things on your mind Mm -hmm. i do find it really difficult i think i'm not as good as you think i am at it I think I'm quite good at making it seem like I'm really good at it, um, <laughs> which is kind of half the battle, to be honest. For me, it is made easier by, which isn't really useful to anyone actually thinking about where I was going with that. Um, it's made easier <laughs> by by the fact that I can work whenever I like or not work whenever I like. Mm-hmm. So I tend to start working really odd hours because in the middle of the day, I think I'm really not getting anywhere with this and I'm probably just going to make mistakes. I'll come back to it after dinner and work till 10, 11 o'clock and that's fine. That's not really helpful advice to anyone, to be honest. But Mm. have have you watched the the movie Soul? I have. I just watched it last week. You did? What did you think? I I loved it, but it also hurt a little bit. Yeah. 
um, yeah, I just wanted to quickly reference um, the whole how they conveyed the idea of being in the zone, uh-huh. which is basically what we're talking about, yeah. and they kind of represented it as a as a like a different space, like you in your mind physically go to another space, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of these people that are in the zone all exist in this one space. And I think that's a really cool metaphor. Again, that one, any, that one going anywhere either. I just think it's really cool, and I recommend you watching it. I think it's it's really nicely done, and I love it and appreciate little sycamore yeah. seeds falling out of trees. Yeah. That's what I got from it. There's also, um, but as a, uh, as a side note on that, before you move away from it, there is a. Yeah. I think there was potentially a very apt message in not getting too focused on your passions. Yeah, that's the bit that I was like, that like oh, I don't see that bit. Close my eyes. Go away. Yeah, I was uh, initially I was like, ah, yeah, fuck yeah, it's all about like finding your thing, and I was like, yeah, I found my thing, I'm doing that. Yeah. And then it kind of concludes with like, ah, but your thing is not one thing. That's not what we're trying to find. (laughs) Shut up, movie. Go away. Yeah. Shut up. You don't know me. Um, but it's great. So what? Go and watch that. That's the thing. Um, so for me in the workshop, I think. I think a lot of it comes down to dividing a task up. That is one of the most helpful things to me. For example, the the drawed unit, the linen chest thing yeah. that I worked on recently. That was a huge job, and that ended up being a bigger job than I thought. And that, like like you said, the anxiety of that then makes it worse, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. It seems to get exponentially slower mm-hmm. um, because of that kind of, oh, I'm already behind the deadline, I'm, I'm kind of already losing money if you like so that doesn't help at all but what really gets me through those moments is trying to do my best to forget about that that piece of furniture and it, and we spoke about it in teaching as well i'm focusing on making this cut it's kind of compartmentalizing it all the way down to individual parts so mm-hmm. i'm just i'm just cutting a mortise and tenon joint that is all i'm doing and for me that's that's almost the only way that mm. i can do that to the best of my ability without making mistakes because i know when i'm in that place where i'm not in the zone and i'm thinking about oh christ the deadline um the amount i've charged for this isn't enough and all of that i know i'm going to make mistakes and i know that i'm not going to be doing the best the best work i can and it's always worth dividing it up for me something i've got good at recently is deciding when it's just not worth it at all so maybe i make a mistake and i stop rather than which i often do is make the mistake and think oh i gotta repair this mistake um and then carry on and i'm probably working then even quicker because i've lost time to the mistake and all of this Mm -hmm. um but what i've really tried to kind of consciously make a note of doing is i make a mistake and i stop and think why have i made that mistake right it's because i was rushing so i didn't hold it properly or i'm rushing so i haven't sharpened the tool properly Mm -hmm. and it never pays it absolutely never pays to to rush through those bits you still, I still do it on every single project. No doubt there is a mistake, and on the vast majority, a major mistake, a significant mistake in, in the project. And, and it's always down to those anxieties. But really, yeah, the way, the way I deal with it is, is chopping them up into small bits and knowing when, right, I've made that mistake. Why have I made that mistake? And if I'm in the place where... I'm just going to do it again. Then walk away from the workshop. I've got plenty of other things to be doing. I've got plenty of things that I maybe I'd not that I'd rather be doing them. But my time is better spent. It's it's kind of it's all about trying to efficiently divide my time because mm-hmm. 
one hour in the workshop is not equivalent to all of my hours in the workshop they're not they're not all the same some hours are really productive some of them i probably stare at a pile of shavings for an hour at least probably a week so it's all about dividing that time in the most efficient way which is really difficult and without just doing it i think i'm only just really starting to understand why i'm making those mistakes that i'm making and being able to kind of be um almost disciplined enough to not push through sometimes Mm-hmm. And that's only been re- really recently, and I'm now 12 months working full time in my little workshop. So it's, it's taken a long time. So I think I think it's really just trying not to get frustrated with it, but also yeah. don't push through when when it's not going to be worth it. It's really what I'm thinking. That's an that's an interesting one. And actually, my my recent experience working on the apothecary box also touched on that for me because for the last year I've been doing a lot of working hours. So I work with one restorer and I show up at X and then we finish at X or I go into my other job and it's, you know, eight hours a day. And and I I've always I've always struggled with the nine to five. I just yeah. find it I don't I don't work eight hours. I work like three hours really well. And then I like drift for two hours. And then I work for <laughs> one hour really well. And then I drift yeah. for like four hours. And then I work for three hours really well. So in a day, I get about seven hours of good work done, but they're not close to each other. No. And they are not, yeah, they're not convenient for that kind of setting, which when I was, so when I was pretty much at Studio Studio every day, Robbie's um, workshop, working on this apothecary box, yeah, I'd I'd get up in the morning and I'd have a good, you know, few hours of productivity right in the morning where I was, I was almost always my best focused at that time. And then, and then I'd I'd start to drift around eleven noon, you know, maybe make myself some lunch, try and get back into it, do a little bit. Maybe I'm not feeling it, so I'll do a little bit of cleaning, then get right back into it, like at about one for an hour, and then at about like two thirty, I would start to drift again, and I'd just be like, okay, that's fine, because I'll just get back into it at about you know six, seven, eight, and that's okay too, yeah. like you were talking about. And that seems to be almost almost the best because if I tried to push through sometimes it works sometimes it would be like there'd be a half an hour of of this isn't quite right and then after a half an hour of pushing myself I'd suddenly be right back into the 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 zone but it, it wasn't always that way and I I certainly don't have any just telling myself that I need to focus on this task is not enough I'm I'm just like I'm still I've got okay. I've got to get. I've got to get this much done today. So I'm I'm here for a week, and I've got to you know finish this box, which means I need to have these deadlines done by the end of today. And and genuinely, I work best if I forget that during that day. I will probably make that deadline. But if I'm thinking about that, I absolutely yeah. will not make that deadline. And in an in an eight hour day at work, I think I find I lose hours just like you said, staring at things. And the more anxiety I have about deadlines, the more wasted time there is. I find personally, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, you definitely? You were mentioning like because one of my questions to you is, do you notice a quality drop when you're not able to focus? Have you had like whole days where you're just not getting it? And have you tried to push through before? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I have whole days. Actually, quite quite often, I I go to the workshop. Maybe I get there for nine o'clock, and I I think I can usually tell quite quickly which I guess is good but quite quickly after I get to the workshop I think I'm just not not there today I'm not in the I'm not in the mode today and have I tried to push through it yeah definitely definitely 
I think I agree with what you said. It it has worked. Like pushing through. Sometimes I I I go through half an hour of just work I just do not enjoy, and I'm I'm just kind of just plodding on through. And then it it kind of almost the sky clears a little bit, and I kind of get into a rhythm again. And mm-hmm. and that rhythm really helps me carry on. And it and it it is hard. And also for me, kind of physically every day I'm not in a good enough state to work kind of an eight hour day in the workshop which is a whole different thing but being able to push through it isn't always isn't always going to be the way to overcome it it's not about kind of being strong-willed enough or motivated enough to do the work that's not always what it is but it's knowing your own pattern of work well enough to to know when and to walk away and kind of knowing yourself enough as well like i, I like my partner Frey. she she leaves work at sometimes she leaves half past seven in the morning at the moment she starts work for eight o'clock and she gets home at four o'clock and she gets short breaks and she works long time i think how how are you doing that and i'm comparing it to my time in the workshop and mm-hmm. i've tried to like mimic her day like get to the workshop at the same time work until she has a 15 minute break then work until lunch and i just can't do it without like sitting there and and wasting time in some regard mm-hmm. and i've often thought why is that and it's easy to say oh it's just me like i'm not motivated enough or like i said i'm not strong-willed enough to just work through it but I, I really don't think that's the case. I, I think it's I think the setting makes a lot of difference for me as well. Mm-hmm. Having that boss and that someone behind me is brilliant. Like in terms of my motivation and my um, push through that. Like for example, at um, at West Dean, yeah. although it wasn't an obligation, we we were meant to be in the workshop between these certain hours, and Norbert did expect that of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got quite funny if we weren't. And for me, that was great because although I often end up working a long day um, because I do bits, like you said, bits in and out of the workshop and I can work early and I can work late. But having that expectation of me really, really helps, but not perfectly for me. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't deal well with that now um, yeah. in terms of working for my business. If I had someone saying, right, you need to work these eight hours or you don't get paid, I'd probably have... Um, sacked myself because I, <laughs> I I just don't think I could do it. I, I I honestly don't think I could. In and part of that, I often blame, and I'm not sure if this is right, but I blame my work my workplace. Um, I strongly believe that walking into a positive workspace makes a yeah. massive difference. So for me, at home at the moment, my workshop doesn't feel like a very positive space. It's a workshop I built when I was 16. The layout hasn't really changed other than a couple of new bits and a few new tools on the wall and a new toolbox. But the layout is the same. The lighting is the same. And it's just not an overly positive space. There's not enough light. It's too small. The bench is uneven and rough and and a, not a very nice surface to look at. And for me, I think that makes a really big difference. And for me, West, the, the workshop at West Dean felt like a positive space. I don't know what it is. I mean, light light was a huge one. Light makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah, that workshop was amazing. And it does feel quite black and white to me. I, I can kind of work in a space, walk into a space and think, this is a positive space where I want to work. Yeah. Or work into a, walk into a space and think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dread working it on some days. Yeah. I'm going to have to really kind of drag myself through it. So I think 
that's a really big thing for me is, is creating that workspace. And that is one advantage of working for yourself is that you can curate that space around you. Yeah. Which is one of kind of the big parts of this year for me in getting the new workshop space is yeah. that's really the first aim of it is make it somewhere I want to work. Not not that the the main aim is not to make it the most functional, or the most pretty or anything like that, although they may they may be byproducts of making it positive. But oh. I just want to make it a space that I want to be and I want to yeah. spend that time. And for me I think that makes a that makes a huge difference. A oh, good speaker. A good speaker that I can play music off. I don't want a shit sound system. That makes a big difference for me. I don't want to be in there if you've got a horrible radio. That like certain little things that bug me make a huge difference and, and can kind of be the difference between I can work a full day in here or I get into little pits of unproductivity and making mistakes. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That definitely makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm definitely a nester when it comes to like my workshop space. I need to kind of make it my own and then feel really satisfied yeah. within it. I'm I'm always I'm always a little bit slower if I feel like I'm in someone else's space. I'm always just a little bit more hesitant to to do every single action. Yeah. Um, which one thing I'm really thankful about with um, one of the places I'm working is that, that we, there's two of us there. We basically split a section of it in half and we've been able to make our own dedicated workspaces. And I've been able to hang all my tools up on the wall and set it up the way that I like and bring my own benches in, which is fantastic. And there's good natural light there as well. I yeah. agree that makes a huge difference. It doesn't solve everything the way that I would like no. it to. I always have this kind of, if I just got the workshop set up right, <laughs> everything else would be solved. I and think I have that, that view as well. I think, oh, if I had a perfect set of clamps on the wall, <laughs> then I'd want to work in here 10 hours a day. <laughs> Definitely. If I had yeah. that Lee Nielsen plane... Yeah. And I'd always work. Yeah, and I don't think that's I don't think that's true. I think it I definitely think makes it an forever. easier space to work in and, and somewhere that's a lot more comfortable. Definitely like ease of access to all of your equipment and tools and yeah. stuff. Definitely. Makes a huge difference. I can get so much more done in some workshops than others and, and part of that is definitely design, layout, light, all sorts of stuff. But it's not going to solve it because I've sat in workshops that I thought were perfect and done nothing. So <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's like a solve it, but I think it definitely makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. I'm actually really relieved to hear you say that that you don't you don't just sit down and pump out eight hours um, or no. ten hours or whatever. No, and Instagram stories may look make it look like that. And yeah, particularly if, if I... your if your day is broken up like morning and then late at night, and you post your getting into the workshop at eight a.m. Leaving yeah, the and then I'm leaving at ten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's something I I do want to work on somehow. I I'd like Instagram to be a, a more kind of true representation of how I work and and the amount of which I work because it's not it it, it is the good bits like naturally and I try and show errors and mistakes and all of this, but you naturally I do anyway want to post the good bits, the pretty things, the things yeah. that get attention for the reasons I want them to. So, that's definitely something I'm aiming towards. Actually, just looking at the desk I'm sat at now in Freya and, I, Freya and I's room, and I hadn't realised it until you said it. And it's that curation of the workspace and making it a positive place. And Freya hates it, and she'll, if she listens to this, she'll be nodding her head. Um, <laughs> I'm just so particular on how I want the room and how I want the desk, and like I and I, I restrain myself from doing so because it would not have helped anything. I really wanted to put tape on the desk tape on um, like to lay out whose side was what and exactly 
exactly. Um, and I restrained myself because I knew that's not going to help anyone. It's not, I don't need that. Freya doesn't need that. <laughs> but I really wanted to because Freya and I work very differently like that. She can crochet away in whatever space she fancies with things scattered all around her and that for her works and she's happy in that space. For me, that drives me mad. I almost need kind of first order of retrieval of every item. I don't want to have to move anything to mm-hmm. get anything else. Yeah. Like my blanket box, for example, which I'm looking at now, is full of yarn at the moment. I've kind of donated it to Freya for the, for the meantime. And there's a wicker basket on top of it and Freya's laptop on top of it. And to me, that's a lid that opens upwards. Nothing should ever live on top of it. <laughs> to Freya... I don't access that yarn that often. That's extra storage space. Yeah. Both of which make sense. One of which drives me absolutely mental. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, yeah, I think it. people work differently as well. I think it's important to know. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, me and Freya happen to be complete opposites on that. Like, yeah, everything has to have a home for me. Otherwise, cause I'm also odd about knowing where possessions are. Mm-hmm. The thing about that... Um, if I've, for example, if I've left my, my pen that I carry in my pocket every day, if I leave it in my car, I might go out at 11 o'clock at night just to get it, just so I know where it is. All, all to kind of work towards that perfect, perfect routine and workspace, which maybe isn't possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm up in the air about this one, because right at the end of the year when I was leaving the ICS workshop, I, I had like laid it out and I'd brought in my new bench and I was like feeling really good about my space. And then I just stared yeah. at it. Like, I didn't <laughs> then get into my next task. Um, and in that moment of, like, feeling, I finally achieved it. Oh, wait, it did And then, like, an hour later had immediately proved that that didn't solve all my problems. Yeah, have left me in a little bit of a, a tailspin on that one. I th- Like I said before, it's so important, but I don't think it solves everything. But I think about, in the sharpness episode, something you said quite, quite a lot in your definition of what sharp is, um, mm. apart from it being two completely flat surfaces meeting. The idea that sharp is that you use that tool, that, that you grab, like if your plane is sharp and set up, you're gonna just grab that naturally and use yeah, it. Yeah, you'll reach without, for it. Yeah. You'll reach for it, yeah. Um, and I've been thinking about that concept with, with a lot of things, spreading that out. And I think that's the same with a workshop layout. Like, you know, if it's sharp and it's set up well, you just move through it and grab everything and keep moving. And yeah. so, and it says, and I do think that coming back to the main topic of trying to stay in the task, that's definitely huge. If I have equipment that's not working or my workspace isn't right yeah. or my light's not right or my tools aren't sharp, those are obviously going to make it difficult for me to stay focused in that task. If everything's just a little bit not running smoothly, then yeah. I will get pulled out in um my undergraduate degree was in film and television production and there's a concept in television and and narrative which is i'm going to cut me thinking out here (laughs) um uh, suspension of disbelief yeah which is that you know an audience would be engaged in a narrative for a certain amount of ability to suspend their disbelief to just like to watch something go oh that's not real that's just pictures on a screen you know, you kind of suspend your, your disbelief a certain amount to get into the story. But there will reach points where it goes, you know, okay, that's a little bit too ridiculous. And they'll back away. And I think about that with my focus. There's a certain amount that I can just stay in, engaged. But if I just hit too many mess-ups or just this, the three tools in a row aren't quite right, then I will be completely pulled out 
and find it difficult to get right back into it. And when I'm pulled out, that's another question for you actually. If you're running smoothly, things are going really well, and for some reason you're just pulled away. A, what types of things do that for you? And how can you swiftly move back in? Or do you have any any ways that you've found to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the um, condition of tools is a big one that pulls me away, like you just mentioned. It just, it makes those little tasks that I mentioned more work. And that kind of as simple as that for me. Either because... I'm going to sharpen the tool first Mm -hmm. or because I'm going to struggle because it's not sharp and then I'm probably going to do it again after sharpening. So it just makes everything more work. I know I need to change the blade on the bandsaw. So like, oh God, I'm not going to do that thing today because I don't want to do that. That's a big barrier for me. The way I tend to get around it is dedicate time to those things. I don't do very well with kind of picking up a tool, sharpening it, then doing the task. I've tried and that's kind of how I've written I want it to be done in articles and stuff and I just Mm -hmm. I I just can't do it It, uh, I don't know why I just want to do the work and Mm -hmm. I think that's probably quite common but for me yeah dedicating time to that like I'm gonna have dinner I'm then gonna go out and I'm gonna sharpen my planes and a couple of chisels that I know I need for tomorrow's task and things like that rather than that time is interweaved between the focus task that I'm trying so hard to focus on. And and I think that's right because obviously that sharpening and that tool maintenance should be focusing on as a task in and of itself. And for me, I, I just can't combine the two for some reason. It just doesn't work. So that's, that's kind of a way I get around that. Other things that bring me out of it, a list too long of people to email. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've constantly yeah. got a list. It's usually a paper list. Sometimes it's on my iPad of send this person this, reply to this message, email this person, whatever it might be. Something I, I'm really trying to be trying to get better at doing at the moment is like just do it now, <laughs> because I think I spend <laughs> I I probably spend more time writing the list than I do actually doing the thing often. Like this week, I said I'd ring someone on Sunday. And this call, I know it was going to take a little bit of time. And I knew it was kind of, a lot of it was me explaining an idea. So it was quite like taxing on me. And I didn't know who it was. And I know you share the anxiety of not wanting to call people. Yeah. And I didn't ring him on Sunday. And I sent her a message and just said, sorry, I didn't ring you. I'll ring you tomorrow. Monday goes by and I didn't ring her. Tuesday goes by, didn't ring her, and I rang her today, and it was a 20-minute phone call, and it was and it was fucking great. She was fantastic, she was really excited, and I knew she would be, but for yeah. some reason, in my head, I had it as a negative experience, and mm-hmm. the longer I left it, the more daunting it became, because yeah. kind of every day it went by, I was like, oh, that big phone call I gotta make. And initially, it was just a message saying, oh, I'd like to have a chat about this. So, for me, it's just do it. Do it now. Stop Stop making a list of it. <laughs> Stop putting things on lists and just do it now. Just respond to that email. I know it's a quick response. I don't need to yeah. p- plan. T- and I know this, actually, thinking about it, is in complete contradiction to what I just said about sharpening. I've planned the time to do it. <laughs> and, not, and don't just do it now. No. <laughs> yeah, so for everything except for tool maintenance, just do it now. And for tool maintenance, yeah. do it when No, but I, dis- I disagree wholeheartedly, with, you particularly think with emails. And I, this, so I, Oliver and I up at, up at ICS, yeah. we struggle a lot with the fact that we work in what is essentially an office-type environment on the, the bottom floor. And a lot of the people who, who we work with work in an office setting. 
Um, yeah. I particularly struggle with this. I used to work in an office setting in Perth. It was horrible. I hated it. It was an okay job, but I had to quit after a year with nothing lined up afterwards because I just it drove me nuts. I really struggled with it. And one of the reasons one of the reasons I struggled with it is no one was super passionate about their jobs. And you yeah. know, you're not going to run into people in the halls and and they're going to be talking excitedly about what office related task they've just done. And I I don't want to be in an environment like that. I love this field because you and I and other people I meet are just keen to catch up and talk about what we've been working on and what we've learned and what we do constantly. Um, and that's the type of environment I want to be in. But also the other thing is because there's that office environment and they are at their computers all day. They're sending emails. They'll they'll expect replies to those emails. They'll call you throughout the day from, from the lower floor to get a response to something they just got an email about right now. And we find that incredibly I see. distracting. And, and yeah. it makes it really hard for me in that scenario. You know, it, my phone is, I, I have my phone permanently on do not disturb mode because it's such a, it feels like such a delicate place to be focused on that task that if my phone rings or I get a little blip of a notification or, you yeah. know, something happens and I then go to deal with that, I am completely pulled away from that moment of being engrossed in that task. And I might never, like say I'm cutting a tenon or I'm polishing a surface. Well, not polishing so much. I can always get back into that. But <laughs> certain other tasks, you know, I might be in the zone on that tenon. I get distracted and I just never find that place on that tenon again before I finish it. And it's just not going to be quite right. Quite but I need to get it, it done. Yeah. yeah. And and so I'm, I'm not as big on the immediately, you know, take deal with calls yeah and I'm, I'm quite happy like to look at my phone oh so and so's called me i'll get back to them in a few hours i'll finish this but it is important when i hit those down times you know lunch comes and i'm starting yeah. to to feel low to just quickly tack those emails out knock them off respond to those things yeah. in that moment and then give myself i have to have a chunk of time to work that is absolutely not going to be yeah yeah and i think i am in agreement i think yeah i i didn't mean entirely like i'm i'm the same as you in the workshop i put my phone aside because otherwise i will reply to an instagram comment straight away yeah and i don't need to be doing that that's not important right now i'm i'm focused on something in the workshop those instagram comments are definitely definitely tailgaters oh, yeah. by the way in in a great like even if i look at my phone and i saw someone's commented and i go okay well i'll deal with that later i'm yeah. going to be thinking about how i'm going to respond to that comment so yeah. it's best if i just never look at my phone or deal with it then but even still i'm going to be thinking about it yeah a really good example of this this week a guy called jared who i met in the timber yard near westine actually when he was working there he's now um building a workshop and doing really cool stuff and i i talk to him quite often on instagram and stuff and and we discuss things and he asks advice and it's really cool and he was using a wooden foreplane the other day um and he was having some trouble with the shavings not ejecting and jamming in the side of the wedge oh yeah and he sent me a message and said oh i've seen you've been using a plane the same as this any tips on on restoring how do i solve this problem and I knew exactly the answer to his problem because I had exactly the same issue. And actually someone else has asked me that a few months ago. And I've got a great article in Mortensen Tenor magazine on restoring wooden hand planes. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, yeah, I've got an article on that. Um, I'm not going to give you the answer now. I'm just going to send you a photo of the article. I'll do it yeah. later on. And like f- literally four days later, 
I've found the time to get the magazine, which is literally half a metre from me right now, yeah. and find the article and take the photos of the four, five pages. And that, that is a, an example of something that I, sh- I should have just done it. Like, I was at my desk, I'm not in the workshop. Yeah. And it and it played on my mind for, like, days. And it's not even something that's really important or something really pressing, but it's something that I promised to someone. So in yeah. my head, that's as important as a deadline because I've promised it to them and I'm not one to not follow up on that. And so yeah. that, that that's kind of what where I come from with it. And, and it's ridiculous. I get myself into these little ruts about really small tasks, like replying to a message. Mm-hmm. For one phone calls are big another. ones. I mean, your phone call example was spot on. Responding yeah. to a message, like if I, I'm exactly the same way with phone calls. If I have a call that I need to make this week, it, I will probably do it. I'll get in on Monday and I'll do it on Thursday, and I will dread it all week, and it will end up being the most delightful conversation. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It kills me. I don't know. I've been doing it for years, uh, and I know this about myself, but I still, it happens every single time. Yeah, it's hard, but also ridiculous. Also ridiculous. Ridiculous. And that's the thing about that's the thing about the tailgaters that is such a big frustration is that they're not actually like like I said it's just somebody who's driving really close behind you they're not directly impacting you in any they're way not, because they're not stopped they're in there, front of me it just ruins everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I agree and you get really hung up on it I, yeah. I I I have exactly the same experience when I'm driving someone's driving really close. And I can't yeah. think about anything else. Yeah. And I get wound up and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, you're a terrible driver. And you're probably going to crash. And, oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just, just carry on. All right. So I think the answer is we don't know. Um, yeah. Well so in, con- well in conclusion, yeah, just do it. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck. This episode was a little bit, little bit rambly, maybe a little bit wandery off task, but. I think it was. I think it was good, nonetheless. It's like you said. It's it's kind of a an infill before we get on to what will be almost yeah. a a collection of episodes about design. Um, got some exciting guests coming up, hopefully as well. Is there anything else you yeah. want to add on this this topic, tailgaters? No, I do think it's. I think it's nice because this is our first one of the new year, so it's kind of nice to start with an oh, yeah, honest new reflection year. on on the reality of working. Happy New Year, Harry. Yeah, and you. Well done. Well done, getting it. Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, I'm in Brisbane. So I finished the Apothecary box. Well, quote unquote finished. It's not done, which is kind of also sitting in the back great. of my head. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased with it. Um, I think it's a really cool thing. And I'm also not pleased at all because I messed up some serious things. But I'll get away with it, like I yeah. said before, because it's an art piece and I'll get away with it. The dovetails are the wrong yeah, way. It's... That's just a fact. Oh, the I did wrong, them the wrong way. way. The wrong the, way. Yeah, so I put the, the pins and the tails on the wrong pieces. Oh, what? Yeah, I did it dumb. In Even which though, ones? so I reasoned it out that it had to be dovetails and it had to be half blind or full blind miter dovetails. Oh, so this is for the actual carcass? For the carcass of the box. Because it was the yeah. only way for it to be structural enough to do its job. You know, you carry yeah. this thing by the lid and it's full of bottles and stuff, but it looks like it's just a miter joint. So it, like in my mind, it just had to be. It's a it's a replica of an of an 1800s piece, and my brain was it just has to be full blind. So you're picking it up from the top. So you want tails on the sides. Is that what you're saying? Yes, you do want tails on the sides. I put the tails otherwise, on the top and the bottom. So you don't have kind of a mechanical joint that way. 
No, no. Nope. You have a glue joint. Other than just the pressure fit of the of the tails yeah. and then the adhesive. Um, yeah, that would annoy me as well. Yeah, it's so wrong. And I was just thinking, I was thinking about furniture carcasses of that time, particularly large cabinets that I know that the tails, the, the half blinds will be on the top piece and the bottom piece so you don't see them on yeah, the yeah. side. That's yeah. just what I was thinking about. I'm co- totally forgetting that this is a box you carry. Um, thankfully, uh, it's not actually going to... Someone who's going to carry it around with them as a travel box. <laughs> it's going to sit on a shelf. But it just drives me nuts. Yeah, because also they're blind. So it's just you that knows that. Yeah, and they're totally <laughs> invisible. So, yeah. I mean, if you pick up the box on the underside, you'll see the tails if you look at the bottom of it. And they, they those look ones... right. I'm quite happy with them. They look spot on in my mind. So how do you... Are those half blind? Yeah, half blind. With a mitered edge? No, on the bottom ones, it's just half blind. Okay. Um, so in the kind of design, cool when you look at it, yeah, it goes, you know, the, the sides go from the ground up to a mitre. Across, up to a mitre. Down to the ground. Yeah. And then the um, bottom is in between the two sides. Yeah. It's a nice yeah, design. Easy. And it's actually really clever. The way, that, the way that they do the panel on the front, because when I made it, it looks just like a cheap plywood box. Because yeah, yeah. the panel on the front is, is grooved in. So it's a it's a group um, a frame and panel, but yeah. you know it goes in the groove, it comes out, and then it comes back up again. So it looks like it's attached on the front, like if if that makes any sense. I have to yeah, have a look just, at the picture. I just want to find a photo of it. Um, we'll post a photo of it on the Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, so we can see what what you're saying. So it has almost a modern design with a very single board looking attached on the front sort of thing. Doesn't look frame and panel. No, it doesn't at all. But it is, which means it has all the advantages for solid timber of being a frame and panel design. Oh shit! I think I see what you mean. And you can see it That's when you right. open the doors because you can look at the side of the doors, which I also think is really cool. I love being able to see into it. I, I, in in a lot of these pieces, they would have um, put edge banding over all of the veneered that edge. Yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't see it. But I really am. I'm happy to leave it open, and so is Mark. Um, which it's is great. Got, yeah, it's it's really satisfying, and the aging and coloring on it is great. It's darker inside and lighter outside, and you know it was reworked and reworked. So I polish it and color it and scratch it and then cut it back and then polish it and color it. Like just build up this kind of age to it. Uh, put some stains and stuff on it. Sp- just every now and then, wandered by with my squeezy bottle of metho and then sp- just splashed <laughs> it as I walked by. Yeah, it was it was re- it, it, it's a really satisfying thing. I still need to put the hinges on i need to get some brass knobs for the drawers um i need to drill the little like each of the bottles are going to fit in a little um socket essentially so i need to drill those so it's not entirely done but the majority of it's there all the components are there so i feel really good about that um yeah and then that's once really I've, cool yeah i'm i love it i love to just it. looking through also for the listener on shane's instagram craft and conservation there's a, a highlight real thing dedicated to the to the apothecary box yeah definitely check it out um which i've just gone through and it's really cool and you can kind of figure out that that construction and see the tools that shane's used so definitely check that out as well and i'm I'm gonna when we go into talking about design i'm gonna pull this up a lot because there's a lot that i learned about what i like in the craft in terms of design and making which i think is going to apply to the subject that you want to talk about so um, i'm going to be referring to it a lot but that's wrapped up and I've, I then had to stay an extra week in Canberra because of COVID-related reasons. So I made a quick little yeah. frame for your poster, which I'm very satisfied <laughs> with the design of that frame. 
really yeah. satisfied with it. It's like a shadow box sort of thing, so it's really deep. Um, it's like a half, trophy case. Yeah, half blind tails and like a side to match the type of pieces that you do. Yeah. And then a uh, cloth back, so that's like a woven cloth uh, wheat starched to the, a back panel. And then your poster just kind of floats in front of that. That's so bit. cool. Yeah, it's a really, it. it's a very satisfying thing. The, the craftsmanship and the finishing on it, subpar, but Fine. the design I'm quite pleased with. Fine, that matches the level of my drawings. No. <laughs> it doesn't match the, the quality of the print job. That print job is really nice. The quality of the print is, is ah, yeah, very pleased. And the, and the paper is great. If anyone wants one, go to my website and buy one. Nice plug. <laughs> but yeah, I've been up in Brisbane since, since then um, and not, not doing anything work-related, just hanging out, playing a lot of games, um, going camping this weekend. I did meet up with Carol Russell, one of my favorite people. Um, oh, yeah, cool. I saw that. Had a chat and carved spoons while we were talking. I carved through my spoon. That's awesome. um, you did. Yeah, I'm not really a you great did. spoon carver, but it's good uh, fun. Yeah, I, I actually did exactly the same thing when I was with Tack. Yeah. And I was carving a spoon, having a conversation with him, and trying to impress him how good I could make spoons, and I just, yeah just absolutely cut the cut the bowl off yeah it happens yeah well it is what it is how about you what have you been up to um what have i been up to i made two adorable little tables um which i really like have you you know these like little like picnic table things they're tiny they're about the size of the tables i made they're square and the legs kind of fold they like fold flat the legs are like like a scissor lift Oh yeah, yep. Do you know what I mean? And the top They're like is little like tray two, tables. Yeah, the top is in like two pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I those. Like two pieces. Yeah, I don't know if we're talking about the same thing. Anyway, this customer of mine had two of those next to armchairs in their house, and they said they want me to replace them with side tables. In that room is also two of my the original size number one side table. So that room is now a really cool showroom. Yeah. Because there's four of these tables of different sizes. And they were thrilled. They were really, really pleased. I couldn't see them in situ, unfortunately, because of COVID restrictions. We're in a national lockdown at the moment, again, with numbers yeah. higher than they have ever been, which is great. Um, Lovely. I made, a little, I made a little box for this customer as well, just as a little thank you, because they, they've been really good to me. And they've had a lot of my pieces. So just a little tray thing, the same as I made tack when I left him as well. I, I milk painted the top edge because uh-huh. I bought some milk paint and I'm just messing with it and i love it it's lovely i feel like matt kenny um <laughs> just with his lovely application of yeah, subtle bits nice. of milk paint so that's fun and it's a really nice company in cornwall that i got the milk paint from so hopefully be doing more with that soon as well other than that i've been sat at a desk a lot i'm working on writing a business plan at the moment for a very exciting thing which i'm going to talk about soon not right now the new workshop looks like it's going ahead i'm about to sign the lease on that I could even be in by February, awesome. which is really exciting. Um, and then it's just going to be lots of setting up, lots of trying to pick up free stuff and make a floor out of it and lots of things like that. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it because they, they've been doing the block work and insulating it for me and putting some windows in from kind of a corrugated steel agricultural building that it was when I saw it. I think it's going to look quite different. So I'm quite excited. <laughs> other than that um not a lot really those little tables are 
beautiful. They're really nicely proportioned. Oh. Same with that little box. I, I love them. Thank you. I, I was really design. pleased. Really pleased. And initially, we were talking about a shelf on the bottom of those tables, as mm-hmm. is with the other one, the the bigger ones. The bigger ones have a kind of really low shelf. It's only like 50 mil off the floor, which isn't, isn't the best idea because it means you can't vacuum under it. But that's not my problem. <laughs> but it is because I've got one in my room. Uh, <laughs> so that's come back to haunt me. But we were talking about that initially and we decided to go against a shelf and just have a really simple kind of single stretcher and i'm really glad because they'd have looked a bit heavy and a bit kind of stocky but they they turned out really well i was really pleased that box that box as well um i I didn't actually i don't think i posted it anywhere i i took some photos of it on my desk with a couple of other boxes i've got yeah and they're all almost exactly the same size um without kind of intentionally making them all exactly the same size because i'm just drawn to that size box and i just think it's the most satisfying thing in the world and i want loads of them there's the one the brown oak one with the japanese toolbox lid thing that i use every day to store my pencils in mm-hmm. it's just the most satisfying thing i own i love it speaking of of pencils oh did yeah, you we are did you buy yourself a christmas present harry yeah I, I actually did ben ben convinced me it, it didn't take much <laughs> ben <laughs> Ben did convince me. I imagine, I imagine the listeners have all have all heard my gentle scribbles of half the pressure, twice the speed, Blackwind six hundred two. Um, <laughs> as I take notes during this this conversation, um, I, it's in my hand right now. I'm looking at it. I love it. I also got the, the two stage sharpener that Ben said. Um, it's the most amount of money I've ever spent on pencils. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been I've been eyeballing them. When I'm when I'm slightly more financially stable, I'm gonna buy some pencils, which is not a sentence I ever thought I would say. You've spent too much time talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I love it. I've got one in my toolbox. I the issue I've got at the moment is the sharpener lives in my box on my desk, which is at home, and the, there's a pencil in my toolbox at work in the workshop, which means. That one does not get sharpened with the sharpener, which makes me sad. Mm-hmm. But that's fine, Shane, and I don't need to buy another sharpener. Stop <laughs> telling me to buy another sharpener. Thank I'm you. <laughs> but there we go. I don't wish to talk any more about pencils. That's not true. But we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, this was meant to be a shorter episode, but that didn't happen because we could ramble for hours. But yeah. thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. That, that is all. Bye. Bye. Do 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 theme tune.